This episode of Cheat Codes, a sickle cell podcast, is intended for informational and entertainment purposes only. This episode of Cheat Codes was supported by Global Blood Therapeutics. What's up, Warriors? We're back with another episode of Cheat Codes, a sickle cell podcast with me, Dr. Z. And me, Dr. C. Dr. C, man, um, you know, we've been doing a lot of we've been doing a lot of good things with this podcast, but I think I think I think this one is really special. We 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 were really able to bring on some guests today that I'm just I'm super proud we were able to we were able to draft. Yeah, I'm I'm excited. I'm excited to talk to these guys. We've had artists on, we've had comedians on, we've had warriors on, we've had lots of doctors and scientists on, but this is something special. This is a little different. Yeah, so we've got two really, really cool guests. I'm going to introduce the first one. We've got Martenzi Johnson. Martenzi Johnson is a writer for The Undefeated. He's an ESPN writer. And for the Warriors who's, who are listening, for the Sickle Cell Docs who are listening, you might remember a story that came out four years ago that talked about Billy Garrett Jr., an NBA player who was um, you know, high profile coming out of Chicago. Martenzi broke that story and really brought a lot of attention to sickle cell disease. We're happy to have him here with us. Martenzi, man, welcome to Cheat Codes. No, thank you. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate you know the offer to come on. Yeah, no, man, it's our pleasure. And, and you know, our second guest, man, is, um, Man, you know, I was able to just run into um, this this legend, man, on a on a webinar a few weeks ago, and I, and I knew that I had to have him on cheat codes, uh, Doctor Callahan, man. I'm going to tell you who this is. You might not even believe it, but we've got Super Bowl champion, Super Bowl MVP, the man responsible potentially for the greatest reception in NFL history. We've got Santonio Holmes with us. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Dr. C, Dr. Z, Martinzi. Thank you guys, man, for having me on this show. Uh, super excited, you know, to get a chance to talk about uh, sickle cell disease. And, um, you know, I'm excited to, to spread the, the word and become, you know, a positive voice uh, for the sickle cell community. Man, we love it. We love it. And we're here for it, man. This is this is what we what, what we need in this community. And I'm going to I'm going to start off with you, Martenzi, man. I want you to tell us a little bit about your involvement with sickle cell disease. Where did it all begin? Uh, yeah, it's actually a very close thing to me um, of my immediate family. There are five of us and uh, my sister has the disease um, and my brother and my parents all have the trait and then even my niece uh, my brother's daughter has the trait as well so sickle cell has kind of just been my entire life i've been around it i've been around my sister having crises she actually had a crisis either the day before or the day of her senior prom and so i've just seen this my entire life uh it's just kind of you know if you're your if your sibling has you know the flu or the cold like that's just how familiar i am with this because it's just something um, I've been around my entire life. So that was really the impetus for me writing the story on Billy Garrett. Um, I've tried to do that with a, a few of my stories of like lupus, for example, my aunt and my sister-in-law have that. So I wrote a story about that uh, last year mm-hmm. when lupus was a topic uh, in, in America. But no, I, I've just wanted to highlight particularly things that affect African-Americans in this country. And as you all obviously know, you know, sickle cell impacts a lot of black people here and so that was why I just wanted to you know it was a family thing but also a, a black thing and, and for sports 
sickle cell isn't really all that well known um, and it's not really as talked about as much as say breast cancer so you know I went to Chicago and and spent the day with Billy and seeing you know him going through these strenuous workouts and you just kind of asked him like you know is there ever concern about what's worst case scenario here for you and you know if you've read the story you know that he basically said you know I know that one day I might die from this but I really love basketball. I really want to play. And so it was a great experience for me. And I thought, you know, as, as you all are kind of saying now, it was an important thing to have out there because, again, unlike, say, breast cancer or Alzheimer's, you know, sickle cell isn't as prominent of a, of a disease that, you know, gets the resources as some of those others. So, yeah, like I said, I, I enjoyed that story. And, again, for my sister and, and everyone else, affected by this disease that's that's why i wanted to write the story it was a great great story and i have to say really well written too i mean a beautiful story and, and really well put together thank you yeah I no we, that, that's the kind of press that we had never had in sickle cell disease so we appreciate that i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna pass the ball to you santonio now i want to hear you know for the warriors out there that may not you know may not know tell us a little bit about how how you started getting involved in sickle cell disease tell us about tj Right. Um, so Martinzi, um, wow. Just to hear, you know, that you, uh, you have to live with this condition in your family, you know, brings a little sadness to my heart because I know exactly what you're going through. And just like you, I have a son who was born with sickle cell disease. And this was in 2002. And I was just a senior in high school, unaware of what this condition was how it affected individuals, you know, personally, uh, but more importantly, um, I didn't know what I needed to do uh, to survive and to be there to care for our son until I realized that uh, at some point, you know, he's not going to live as long if you don't get the proper medication, the proper treatments, and uh, learn how to actually take care of himself for, you know, the existence of his life. Um, It made me aware that I need to learn about this condition so that I could teach him and educate him better than my parents had educated me that our family was living with this condition and that I need to be more aware of someone living with this condition so that I don't affect, uh, have a son or a, ch- or a daughter born with this condition. And because of that uh, lack of education through my parents and in our family history, um, it has just created that that big hole in my heart that I need to fill, and that's by being a sickle cell warrior. Um, I have to now stand up to the plate and fight for my son, fight for his life, make sure uh, I had a better job and I understood how to con- continue to keep that job, um, maintain a great living so that uh, no matter when uh, the ball may drop for him and needing expenses to take care of his medical conditions, um, I was readily prepared. So that was just my way of, of being a warrior, you know, for my son and knowing that I had to be the, the sole provider uh, for his medical expenses. Um, you know, at that point, even though I knew I couldn't do anything about his condition uh, uh, up until today. Wow, man. Yeah, you know, that there's a lot to unpack there for both of you. Both of, both of you guys set the stage so beautifully here. One thing I want to dive a little bit more into, Santonio, is when did, when did sickle cell trait sort of become something that you 
started thinking about in your career? Did it affect you along the way? Just did it affect your body? Did you know that it was there? Did you, when did it really start? Did it make an impact in your life? Uh, Absolutely, Dr. Z. Um, When I found out about sickle cell trait is um, probably my second or third year I was in college and I had to fly home to visit my son who had been diagnosed with a crisis uh, probably around the age of two. And that's when I realized, like, how did sickle cell come about or how did our son get it? And that w- that's when I found out that I, ha- I was a trait carrier. And I learned that two people carrying the trait could possibly produce a one in four chance that his kid would be born with the disease. And I just think God had that plan for me to be this voice uh, to speak for this condition because I still envision myself being uh, the Super Bowl champion, the college national champion, the high school champion in football. But I also had to realize that I had to become another champion in life that was to help fight, you know, for what my son um, uh, life was uh, was faced with because I was unaware that I was just a trait carrier and that I could cause so much damage to uh, an individual's life um, just by being uneducated. Wow. Wow, man. I mean, Martenzi, you're, you're, you know, with, with your family and, and with your sister, seeing your sister and seeing what she went through, like, you're, you know, the thing that, that really struck a chord with me, man, is, is you're saying that, you know, when you grow up around it, that's the only normal, you know, that, 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 that really, that hits me deep, man, because that there's nothing, there's nothing normal about the life that sickle cell patients go through, the suffering that they go through, right? But, but you're exactly, you're, you're exactly right, man. I mean, it's it, it becomes like just day to day. You're just going through the motions. Yeah, I kind of compare it to how people who grow up in poverty, most of them will likely say, I didn't know I was poor until I kind of separated myself from people who I grew up around because everyone else was kind of like me. And not everyone I knew had, had a sibling or a family member with sickle cell, but I just knew that my sister had it. But you know, I have allergies. I thought it was the equivalent to that. I thought we just all had these kind of conditions and there was nothing really special about it. I knew she was in pain, but I really didn't truly understand that amount of pain that she was actually in. And I think to both what Santonio was saying too, of not knowing this thing or not understanding what the trait is and how that can lead to the disease is, you know, African-Americans access to healthcare. Um, In the story, I put how you know, African-Americans are more likely, I think 10 times more likely to not be insured than white Americans. And then you talk about their actual access to healthcare. So hospitals and facilities in their neighborhoods where there's less and less of uh, these medical facilities in, you know, higher concentrated black areas. But that's not to say that my family didn't know this stuff. But again, I just, I just thought this was a thing that people went through. I didn't understand the severity of it. And I also didn't understand how this was mostly, not all, but mostly only affecting black people and, you know, how that can lead to the type of care that they get. And Billy gave me an example of, I believe he was in New Jersey uh, and had a crisis. And so he went to a hospital and they basically didn't believe him because, you know, you can't really see the actual pain that he's in. Uh, but they didn't understand the sickle uh, cell diagnosis and they didn't want to give him the care or I guess the pain medicine that he needed. So he had to go to a sickle cell center, not just a hospital, um, to actually get the treatment that he deserves. And that might have just been, you know, ignorance on the part of the medical care professionals at that particular hospital. 
but it also just speaks to how black people are treated in the healthcare uh, field. And, you know, the doctor I spoke with for the story kind of called it a double whammy of it's a black disease, right? Uh, there's an example of Hank Aaron getting uh, a letter in the 70s, like basically a, a fan or a fan of baseball, uh, wishing sickle cell upon him. So people understood what it was, but so it's a black disease, mostly only affects black people. And then they need pain medicine to help them. But then, you know, too many black people wanting something and then there's an issue there. So it's that double whammy of are these drug addicts or are they just trying to get this because they want to abuse drugs? And also it's a black disease, too. And so. It, you know, again, like just growing up, I, I just didn't understand the severity of this thing. I saw the pain that my sister was in, but like, I don't feel it. So I don't know. Like, I know what stubbing my toe feels like. I know what you know, getting a cut on my arm or getting a bruise on my knee feels like. But I cannot understand, you know, the cramping feeling, the severe cramping feeling of a sickle cell uh, disease crises. And so it again, it was it was the norm for me. But only now am I truly understanding what my sister was going through and you know the thing that i guess we all don't really want to talk about is kind of the life expectancy of you know she's getting into her 40s and that's when you got to kind of start worrying about these sorts of things but again it doesn't really come up that much but that that's just that's just what i what i'm used to and and that's the unfortunate uh part of it and i think it whether it's sickle cell or any other disease is you know do people truly understand what you know in this instance the warriors are going through and i and i'm not sure that we do yeah, man. I, you know, I, it's it's crazy because sickle cell disease is the first disease that, you know, we know that it, we it was the first disease that we figured out the exact problem, right? It's like one amino acid that's different, right, from everybody else. We figured that out. People love that, right? Scientists in the 50s, scientists and doctors were like, this is amazing. We love this. We can understand this disease. We can figure out. They fell in love with the mutation, but they never fell in love with the people who carry the mutation, right? And that's the problem. The problem is that the truth of the matter is it's this is a disease that exists in this country because of the transatlantic slave trade right and that comes with all sorts of like psychosocial things right that comes with that that mentality that um you know this is affecting people who um historically have been oppressed in this country right and and you're right man i mean this these patients have a huge burden on them a they're in pain their body's not getting the oxygen it needs right that's the pain they're feeling and then on top of that you've got a medical system that's saying your pain is not real right i mean it's just, it's unfair. That's why we're so thankful for people like Santonio and the Third and Long Foundation, the awareness you're spreading, man. Uh, tell us a little bit about the Third and Long Foundation, Santonio. Well, absolutely. Um, just to touch on the point you made, Dr. Z, uh, about activity. One of the things that I have learned as a young athlete and now as a father and a former athlete, that your body and response to to activity your heart pumps a little bit harder when you're in fight or flight mode and if you realize that when that heart pumps that much harder you can feel the energy the oxygen everything run through your entire body that allows every limb to be ready to be active no matter if it's in pain no matter what's the situation you're going to fight through that when you're in the, in, the, in, the, in the crisis moment of your life as a normal person. But as a person living with sickle cell, 
it's tough to fight those pains when you can't even describe where the pain's coming from, how it's actually affecting you, what I need to do to make this pain go away. We can find cures for ailments that are are, are, are happening to the normal people. But like you said, Dr. Z, there's a condition that we have actually found the pinpoint uh, source and how to affect this uh, disease. And still, no one is actually willing to step up and say, here's the exact way, here's how these families need to start actually taking care of themselves, and let's show these test results uh, to the world, and let's broadcast how these families are living and how their health is, is uh, increasing and the likeliness of them uh, uh, passing away has diminished. So the Third and Long Foundation, we started uh, the Third and Long Foundation after uh, finding, uh, the, uh, catching that game-winning catch in the Super Bowl. I knew I had a platform and a voice at that time to speak up about the things that were affecting me in life. And I realized that so many other players before me were actually doing just that. And I was reading books, you know, back in back in my time and playing ball and still now uh, a few books that I read, you know, educated me on starting a foundation. And when you start a foundation, it allows people to believe and to see the work that you're putting in, but more so gives you opportunity and connections to the network world. And with that foundation, it allowed me to partner with many hospitals uh, across the United States. I get to visit any hospital in the world because I have a, a voice and I'm fighting for a condition um, that, that needs to be changed that, that has affected so many people like me and hindered so many young athletes from uh, becoming the superstar player that their mind and their hearts and their body are actually set on. But because we're not giving them the proper tools to train themselves as little kids to build that heart so strong that it's able to pump the oxygen and and strengthen those lungs that they need to be able to survive for 30 to 40 years, even though they're exerting so much energy willing to play these sports that causes for them to train day and night, uh, sleep very little. But it's because we're not educated enough as athletes as to what we need to do to better care for ourselves. And I think that's one of the biggest reasons why the Third and Long Foundation is here to show uh, the awareness of how it affects those mostly uh, affected, which are are, our athletes, uh, in my opinion, that want to become successful and take care of their families um, and be able to support and cast that their families need. Uh, We just need the right treatments and the right education tools uh, so that we can provide these kids with the right kit so that they can survive. I love that, man. I love that. Cheat Codes is brought to you today by Global Blood Therapeutics. GBT is a biopharmaceutical company committed to discovering, developing, and delivering life-changing treatments that provide hope to underserved patient communities, including sickle cell disease. GBT is grounded by a mission-driven culture and built with a team of experienced and passionate people committed to making a difference in the communities it serves. Cheat Codes is grateful to GBT for supporting today's episode and for serving the sickle cell community. You know, you you talked about the game-winning catch, man. Tell, Tell us what you did with those gloves, dude. The people need to know that story. Yes, those, that, those... Reebok gloves, they went for $70,000 to the highest bidder. Uh, Man, that was a a great moment in my life. And um, I really wanted to do something really special with these gloves. 
because I knew how much it meant to to the community of Sickle Cell. And that helped me jumpstart the finding of the Third and Long Foundation and being able to support uh, sickle cell disease. I wanted this campaign to be, um, you know, something that highlights this campaign, which is that game-winning catch. It was that moment that God gave me to showcase to the world that here's a person that is actually living with the sickle cell trait, and he's able to do these miraculous things. But what about those ones that are living with the trait and the condition that can't do these miraculous things? And here I am on the pedestal on 10 toes where God has placed me to be the highlight of the world so that sickle cell disease could become a, a, a more broad uh, you know, aspect of our world than just me making that Super Bowl catch. So I definitely want to you know, tip my hat to God and giving me that, that opportunity to be the face for, uh, for sickle cell. Tip our hat to you for taking advantage of the opportunity and Thanks, giving Dr. back. C. Thank That's you. Amazing man. That's amazing. I man, you left. I, uh, Martini, hold on, Doctor Z. Uh, Martini, Martinzi, excuse me. Um, if you didn't know, you know there are quite a few guys that uh, you know played in the NFL um, that are actually you know supporting sickle cell as well. So we can definitely uh, you know chat about that and see how we can bring a story full circle and eventually get more in the connection between Billy Garrett, the football players. You know, they're guys that are running track. Uh, living with the condition or the disease. And I, I think I recall hearing about one kid with running track recently with sickle cell disease. So not not too sure, but I think I did overhear that recently. So we can definitely make a no, good connection. No, yeah, that's definitely a good idea. And, and I just think, to what you just said about how you use that moment in your career to kind of bring attention to this and how there have been so many moments where if it wasn't, if sickle cell wasn't the disease that we're talking about, it would have blown up so much more. I think so much more attention would have been given to it. But I think I think of two kind of moments in history and how it would have been so different if it wasn't sickle cell. And that's kind of the problem that we're dealing with is how much people actually care about this disease. It's one. So I think you did you create uh, Third and Long in 2011? Uh, yes, we started in 2009. But the finishing touches came in 2011, yes. 2011. So a year before that is when the NCAA finally started testing for sickle cell trait, which, as you all said, there was a breakthrough in the 1950s. So that's, if you know that there's this, there's this disease that affects black people and is majority black people in college football or college sports, you know, why did it take so long for you all to actually test for this? And then Ryan Clark is kind of the best example of this man lost his gallbladder and his spleen because of this trait. And even still, it hasn't reached the level of, let's say, Steve Gleason and ALS or Lou Gehrig uh, and Alzheimer's. And that's a tragedy because this was front and center for everyone to see. I think people remember what happened to Ryan Clark. But if you you know quizzed him on it, I don't know how many would know he has sickle cell trait. And that's the reason that it happened. And if that happened in 2020 with any other condition... I think the entire world will be like, oh, that's what happens when a disease is not properly treated. And I feel like it's just an afterthought of what happened to Ryan Clark, where this man had, you know, things taken out of his body because uh, of this trait and how it relates to sports and stuff like that. But yeah, I, I, Santonio is obviously doing great work with, with his foundation, but I think it, it, it needs to go beyond that. Not to say that Scientists aren't doing everything they can to to find a cure for this or if there, if there can be a cure for it. But I think that 
you know, particularly with professional sports, how much attention is given to other diseases and other conditions. I think we're dropping the ball here when it comes to sickle cell because let's say the NBA and NFL that is majority black, you have to imagine a good percentage of these athletes have this trait. They either don't know that they have it or they have it, but they don't understand what the what the condition means. And, you know, they're not only putting their lives in danger, but we're missing opportunities to bring more attention to what this is. So uh, I think there's there's way more work that needs to be done. Uh, but San Antonio obviously is, you know, leading the charge here. And like you said, there, there's more athletes out there. Billy Garrett, I think, is a is just a, a great example of, you know, having this disease, which not, you know, there, obviously there's a difference between a trait and a disease. And we don't know how many people have the disease out there. But, you know, him being one of the more prominent, you know, professional athletes with it and using his platform uh, of professional basketball to bring attention to it, including naming, you know, his basketball team after it, you know, there needs to be more of that. And hopefully, you know, more journalists and, and myself can highlight these sorts of things. For sure. I mean, the stuff's so important that you guys are doing high, you know, bringing uh, attention to sickle cell and funding. Um, you look at that, you brought up ALS, that ice bucket challenge brought in hundred million dollars that funded scientists. There's, there's, you know, new treatments coming out of that. We need stuff like that for sickle cell. You got a hundred thousand people in the U S living with sickle cell disease and, uh, you know, not nearly enough work going on to find answers. Um, so really appreciate you guys bringing your platforms and, and highlighting sickle cell. And I, I think trait is a whole, you know, whole nother area. There was this horrible story in the New York Times the other day about uh, medical examiners blaming um, police related deaths on sickle cell trait. You, you know, uh, you, you brought up Clark and he went to Denver and got a splenic infarction um, that brought in a whole bunch of screening and it was a big problem for young athletes trying to play. Um, another study came out and said boot camp participants with sickle cell trait did just fine, but I think it's important to know you have sickle cell trait and and do the things you can, like stay hydrated to prevent problems. So uh, you know, as much as we can raise awareness about this, uh, you know the better so yeah. thank you guys for- I, I played with ryan clark in that game you know so i was actually in that game and i struggled a lot when i didn't realize what the denver mile high altitude was all about the moment i put my uh practice clothes on to go out for my warm-up i jogged around the field one time like i always do before every game i run around with my headphones on just one time around the field just to feel the energy in the stadium and I ran directly back into the locker room because I needed an inhaler. Wow. And I didn't know living with sickle cell trait had this kind of effect on me playing in Denver. And then to, to get in the locker room and sitting right near the bathroom and hearing Ryan Clark, you know, and the doctors are talking about what his situation and his condition is like. And um, hearing him pee blood, you know, in, in, in the stall. And it's like, wait. That's what he was feeling, like these same things that I'm actually feeling, living with this trait that he can't breathe, don't realize how much energy you you are exerting, you know, out here in this condition, your body not receiving the proper oxygen uh, oxygen that it needs. I didn't realize how much that affected us. And on that plane ride home, 
of seeing that Ryan had to get off the plane and, 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 and end up staying in the hospital, you know, that really affected me. And that's I think that's what really turned my wheels to get me uh, focused on being a support catalyst for sickle cell, because just like a lot of people don't know, we're living with this trait that we don't even know what it does to us as athletes. But we knew that we we're warriors because we were able to push through these conditions or these setbacks, you know, over time and just continue strengthening and believing that we are stronger than sickle cell. And I think that is the push that led Ryan Clark over the edge uh, 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 playing in Denver is that his power to play for what he loved was greater than his understanding and knowledge of the sickle cell condition and how it affected uh, his livelihood moving forward. Wow. Hey, had you guys connected, had you and Ryan connected about sickle cell trait prior to that game? Uh, prior to the game, no. But I think we knew of Ryan Clark's condition going into uh, that game. But me not knowing I was that I would be affected being a trait carrier because up until that point still I, haven't, I, I wasn't tested uh, uh, for sickle cell trait. Um, so back in the 90s is when they started you know, testing babies, and I was born in the 80s. So therefore, growing up with this condition, it was like, we don't know what you're dealing with, we just know you have complications. And as I got older, I realized, you know, what the situation actually was, why my son was dealing with so many complications and the things that he explained to me that affected him and how they affected him made me realize that these were the same exact things that I was going to as a five, six, seven, eight year old in, uh, in elementary school, having pains in my right arm and my forearms, where I'm always grabbing my arms like, man, why, why does my arm hurt? Like there's something wrong in here, but it's, it's, it's nothing hurting, but it's something really painful. My lower back hurting, uh, my, my calf muscles uh, cramping up. So even throughout my entire football days, it was tough to wear uh, long sleeves, um, or even wristbands and things around my hand, take my wrist up because it would cut the circulation off, you know, in my hands. And I knew that uh, as I played. So it affected me because now I got hurt thumbs and I got to catch a football, but I need my thumb taped up. So now I got to realize I can't tape it up too tight because it's going to cut the circulation off to my hands and that affects me. And those things came about learning um, my body uh, uh, as I got older and wondering why my body would cramp up so much. Even though I was drinking electrolytes, I was well hydrated. I wasn't drinking alcohol during football season or the off season. I was actually training hard, but I didn't realize how much my body was missing uh, iron. Uh, I was very deficient in my iron um, and in my, my vitamin uh, D count. You know, I wasn't very big on drinking milk because it, it affected my stomach. It didn't make me feel good. So understanding like all these things that living with sickle cell condition and sickle cell trait, it affects so many underlying things in your body that we, like Martinzi said, we need more doctors to tell us what things that affect us that we can make these changes on uh, that are so minimal that can continue to elevate you know, our existence. No, absolutely, man. I mean, look, man, we're talking about one in 12. One in 12 black people carry the sickle cell gene, right? We're talking about numbers here. Let's talk a little bit more about numbers, man. There's a child born every hour in this country with sickle cell disease. 
every hour, right? That's 24 kids born every day with sickle cell disease in the United States, right? If we expand that globally, right? Let's get out of America here. Let's talk worldwide where the real problem is sub-Saharan Africa, right? The Middle East, Indian subcontinent. There's a child born with sickle cell disease every two minutes, right? There's nothing rare about sickle cell disease, man. The only problem is it affects people of the wrong skin color. That's the only problem, right? But, um, you know, I'm just thinking about the story you told about Mile High Stadium, man. And I don't work for the, I don't, I'm not a writer for the undefeated, but, uh, man, that's a story. That 2007 game, um, you know, with Ryan Clark and Santonio being in the locker room and feeling it, man, that is, that is something. That's a, I, I wonder how many kids go through that. Right. And, and don't know what's happening. Right. They're not aware of their sickle cell trait. It's one in 12. Right. Just by the odds, you've got, I don't know, four or five people with sickle cell trait on a football team then. Right. If you're just playing probabilities, that's man, that's insane. Yeah. What young man that passed away? Sorry, Martinez, the young man that passed away in high school or college, you know, what, three or four years ago. Yeah. And right here in Michigan. Like, right yes. here in Mich- Central like, Michigan wow, University, man. man. Like, come on, you know, like, why are we not educating these kids uh, from birth in their childhood? Why as parents are not finding out more ways to, to help our kids, you know, fight this struggle? Because this is an important factor in our lives, even though we want to be athletes. We need your support. We need you to care for us uh, uh, more than just providing a, a shelter for us to live in or, you know, food on our back. We need you to, to be more fighters in this healthcare world so that we could get more professional help. Um, the black doctors in the world, um, if more of you are serving uh, the sickle cell community, then you need to be a part of what we are doing today and reach out to those sickle cell communities, those activists and those uh, advocates and, and, and support what they're doing so that the message of what you're doing can be resonated throughout the country because you have the power to that holds, you know, the key to, to healing these, uh, this community. Yeah. I was going to say, you know, speaking of, of that, that game at, in Denver, you know, after that happens and for someone who has a trait right along with Ryan Clark, you know, what apprehensions, if any, did you have about playing football after you saw what happened to him? I was just, I was way, way more aware of, my oxygen, my iron. So therefore, after that game in 07, I use an inhaler for the rest of my career because I started now feeling those side effects from how hard I was working. And I was wondering, okay, it's okay to be a little bit tired. But if I can be honest, I've told this story to so many players, so many friends. I want to take a nap before halftime of every game. I could not go out and exert so much energy in the first half of a football game because I didn't think I would have enough reserves in the tank for the fourth quarter. All because of living with this sickle cell trait. I knew I couldn't go out and exert injury, and the reason being is because we played uh, against Marshall University uh, when I was at Ohio State. First half of the game, uh, I think I had maybe five, six catches seven catches on the game for about 200 yards and I could not finish the second half of the football game because my my entire body I caught an entire body cramp the first time I ever felt this in my entire life and I didn't know that it was probably because of my sickle cell trait uh back in uh oh two three 
four. It's either 04 or 05 season uh, that we played against Marshall University. And I had a really great game. Ended the game with like 200 and some yards. But I couldn't play the rest of the game because I had to go and get two full uh, uh, IVs in my body. So that led me to understanding like, wait, you were dealing with this back in college and you didn't know why you were cramping up so much. And then when I got in the pros, the extra training during the off season increased because now we're not going to school and training. I'm actually training from January all the way until August now. And my body would just hurt and break down. And those doctors just made me more aware of what I was dealing with because I started complaining more. I started telling them that as I'm getting older, certain things are actually changing uh, in my body type and how it's affecting me and how I train. And that's when they made me more aware of what I need to do um, moving forward. Yeah. When I was, I interviewed John Brown, who's now with the Bills, at least last season he was. Um, and when I spoke with him, he said while he was still with the Cardinals a few years ago, he contemplated retirement because he basically couldn't walk at times because of how severe he would, reactions he was having because he has the trait. And that's what I imagine a lot of players, like Spencer Ware, I spoke with him for the story too. And he didn't go to that extreme, but he did say like it's hard to kind of keep his legs um, when he's training for the season just because of kind of that lack of oxygen that he's getting compared to everyone else. And, you know, that's just – I think that's that's probably the more underreported part. I, I tried to ask Billy about it, like basically just what it feels like. And I got some of that from him, but I think that's maybe where I missed something and, and where reporting on this has been missed too of just describing what that pain feels like. So, so Antonio is talking about – He's having a game of his life, and then he has to go out for the rest of the game because a whole body cramp, which I don't think, you know, again, we, we kind of make lighter cramps. So, like, LeBron had cramps in one of the finals that's games. Right. So, it's, it's just something you don't really take too seriously, but that's for people who've never had a cramp, right? And He got carted off the field, Martinzi. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, they had to. I'm trying to walk off the field, and the body locks up, and someone has to catch me as I'm falling down because – I'm going straight to the ground where I can't move my neck muscles. My fingers were locked. My arms were folded. My calves were gripping. My toes were curling. When I say like my stomach was getting tight, I'm like, yo, why can't I move right now? And they put me on the cart and they literally had to just lay me out in the locker room uh, the entire time until my body was able to catch up to just relaxation. And then they injected two IV bags. By the time I came out, it was... Uh, like six minutes left in the fourth quarter of the game. You know, I had to go up. You guys won, though, right? I, look, I went out and played, made two catches, a first down. The catch that I made for the first down, we kicked the field goal to win the game wow, after that man. catch. Wow. So it was a big moment, you know, for me to make that sacrifice to want to get back on the field. But it's because I wasn't even educated that I carried sickle cell trait that the doctors at Ohio State would even want to test for this kind of condition to see if an African-American kid actually is affected by the sickle cell trait or even the condition. And that right there alone should be more uh, attention drawn to why this condition needs to be covered and, um, you know, need to be more talked about. And I I think that's some misperception because I think we do say, oh, it's just trait. You don't have the disease. It shouldn't cause you pain. But the thing is, when you get in really extreme circumstances, like you're playing college football and you're extenuating, you know, stretching your your body, 
um, or you're getting dehydrated or you're going up to Denver and you're in low oxygen tension, that's when you can have sickling, even with the with the trait and, and get into trouble. Um, so I, I think, you know, especially around this conversation around athletes, um, it's important. But at the same time, we don't want to set up a wall where we say, oh, you shouldn't do sports if you have trait. We want to, you know, because obviously you can be Super Bowl MVP with trait, um, but we want to make sure people know the right things to do to try to avoid problems. Absolutely. Uh, one more thing, Dr. Z. Uh, we played in Cleveland. I want to say this was in 07, 08 year, maybe that same year. We went out in Cleveland. It was probably like negative 12 degrees. And when I say that was probably the worst game I ever played in or even had in my career, um, I usually go out and try to warm up in the, before the games. And the minute I walked outside and tried to warm up, I was jogging, doing my normal routine around the football field, and my arms locked. So I was running down the field, and my arms, they wouldn't, they wouldn't move like this. They were, they were locked like they wouldn't, they wouldn't come up. My arms wouldn't fold. And so I'm like, wow, it's really cold outside not knowing that this is my sickle cell affecting me uh, at, at all costs. It's not just the weather. It's the fact that my body isn't getting any type of oxygen to be able to support what I'm about to you know, endure, which is go out and run you know, for over a mile or so, you know what I mean, during a football game. Living in a family affected by rare or chronic disease can be isolating. And sometimes the best medicine is simply connecting to the voices of other people who share your experience. This is why Bloodstream Media produces podcasts, blogs, and other forms of content for patients, families, and caregivers affected by rare and chronic disease. Visit bloodstreammedia.com to learn more. You know, there's one thing we didn't talk about about sickle cell trait that I think we should while we have you guys here. There's a rare, rare, but deadly complication of having sickle cell trait, right? And that's a very rare type of kidney cancer called renal medullary carcinoma. Okay, and the reason we should talk about this is we were just talking about Titus Davis, who used to play for Central Michigan, and he died at age 27 with sickle cell trait and renal medullary carcinoma. His brother... Corey Davis is a wide receiver who plays for the Jets now. And um, the truth is that if you have sickle cell trait, the chances of you having renal medullary carcinoma are very low, right? But you need to know about it, right? You need to know about it. And, and, and we're talking about 1 in 12 people who need to know that this is a real thing, right? Like this can happen. And this is something that you need to be aware of. And this is why you need to see your doctor regularly. And this is why you need to listen to your body. And you need to look for those early warning signs. And you need to be checked regularly. I think that's something that we don't talk about enough. And I think it's mostly mainly because, Dr. Z, the medical care, the expenses that it costs for a person to just go see a doctor for his own health conditions. We can't, we don't know how to take care of our bodies without going to see a doctor, but it costs. And every family can't pay that cost to take care of their bodies when their kids need to eat, when their family need transportation, when their family need a roof to live under. It's so difficult. And I think we should hold these owners and these these business owners uh, uh, to, to understanding that with the healthcare system that you are providing through your insurance, that this needs to be covered on all levels, no matter what uh, condition this individual has, that 
at any moment they could drop out of this business because of their kid or their family member that really needs them you know more than this job does but now this individual loses a job can't pay the bills can't pay uh, for food and can't having you know the medical expenses taken care of so how do we win in this situation when it costs us to even just go get our body checked out to tell us what's going on and that's why I say more doctors need uh, uh, like you to be uh, uh, partnering with these sickle cell uh, communities and these advocates and these foundations because we have all the answers but we don't have the support that we need yeah I mean well said man well said I um, I don't know man you're motivating me you're motivating me I, I want to change the world man this is this is amazing and you said about the uh, about the kidney um, like what are some of the the feelings that uh, say an individual that is feeling their kidneys acting up like what would that feel like internally if you could describe uh, that if a person is understanding signs of uh, a kidney failure a lot of times it would be blood in your urine. You see, okay. like dark, dark urine um, would be the you know one of the first signs maybe that you'd have a kidney tumor. The trouble is that they're they're hard to detect um, unless you're having those symptoms. Yeah, they, they they are hard to detect. But but like he said, I mean that blood in the urine, pain, right? Pain and it's less common to have pain, but blood in the urine. But like the thing is, you might not even see the blood, right? Like this might be blood that is there that you can't see because it's in such a small quantity, right? And and the only way to to have that, the only way to know is to check, which which is not easy, right? Nobody wants to go pee in a cup at their doctor's office and have their urine checked, and it's like complicated, right? It's annoying, but it's so important. It's so important. I mean, look, I mean Titus Davis, man, twenty-seven years old. It's the saddest thing in the world, but. Um, it's affecting our world. It really uh, is, man. And, 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 and to think that, I mean, this, we're having this conversation in the United States of America, dude, right? Like, who knows what's happening everywhere else, right? People are just dying, right? They're just dying without being diagnosed. They're, they're not getting their, their medications. It's, it's, I mean, it's terrible. Yeah, man. you can compare it to what we're seeing with COVID. Part, let's say in India in particular, where kind of these remote areas where people don't have access to health care, is hitting them the hardest because like you said, they can't go see a doctor. They can, you know, and so when you're talking about sickle cell outside of the United States, it's mostly like there's gonna be in sub-Saharan Africa and there's gonna be parts of that continent where just like India, they don't have access to healthcare professionals like we do in America. And so, you know, what we're seeing here in the US is, you know, such a small scale compared to what we're seeing in Africa and, you know, we think it's bad here. It's so much worse outside of America, and it just goes to. And but there is a problem in America as well, or access to to healthcare facilities. That you know, the story I did. I did a story last year on COVID and how it was particularly impacting Black people in Milwaukee. And it wasn't Milwaukee isn't unique by any means, but you, Milwaukee is just like Detroit, just like New Orleans, just like Chicago, just like any place where there's a large concentration of black people. And you're seeing that they're taking hospitals out of these communities. You're seeing that people don't have insurance or they don't have access uh, or, or can't afford to go see someone if they have, like, say, Affordable Care Act or something like that. So even if you know, someone felt comfortable going to the doctor's office to, to get that looked at, there's probably a low probability that could, they could even afford to go do it. And who knows how many people are out here walking around with these conditions and 
they have no idea, you know, what danger they may put themselves in just because they just don't know. Man, you know, we talk about disparities a lot, guys, and we know that every every way you cut this man, heart disease, cancer, kidney disease, um, pregnancy, infant death, the black population suffers, right? The black population is suffering. You know, there's only two things that I call reverse disparities. There's two things that are more likely for a black patient to get compared to a white patient. Do you know what those two things are? It's sickening. It's amputations of your limbs and antipsychotic medications. Those are the two things that if you're a black patient, you're more likely to get. Everything else, as far as disease-saving, life-saving procedures go, you're less likely to get. That's the state of the healthcare system we're in right now, man. We got a long battle ahead of us. Wow, Dr. Z, Dr. C, thank you guys for you know covering these uh, very important topics. Uh, the work that you're doing with the sickle cell community, it's 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 going to change, and I can feel it. And I'm optimistic that we can do this together. That it's going to take an entire team of doctors, uh, advocates, um, supporters, entertainers. Um, Martenzi, you are amazing in covering the story, but more so doing it in the light of your family in the situation, but having more respect for all the others that have uh, endured this condition, whether they were successful or unsuccessful. And to cover and understand, you know, how sickle cell affects our community, um, I'm saddened that I had, it took me 20-ish years to understand this condition in my life and I had to affect someone else um, in order to understand that I can make a difference. And I'm definitely thankful that I was put in this position to, uh, to make a difference in the sickle cell world. Uh, but I'm going to need everybody. I'm going to need all of you uh, who are supporting me, supporting the NFL, uh, Billy Garrett in the NBA. There's hockey players in the NHL, you know, who are black, uh, Major League Baseball. Please speak up, you know, about your condition. Um, it gives these young kids an opportunity to believe in themselves that they too can be fighters, they can be warriors, and they will survive this. But it takes your courage uh, to get up and, and stand and say and speak and advocate for the healthcare system that we uh, African Americans need, uh, more importantly, so that we can be strong survivors and providers of this world and for each of our families. So. On behalf of uh, Third and Long Foundation, uh, Dr. Z, Dr. C, uh, thank you guys for having me on Cheat Codes. That was the best close I could have imagined right there, man. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you, Santonio, man. You're, you're a finisher. What can I say? I told um, you I'd show up in the fourth quarter, dude. <laughs> third and long, man. You made it happen. Um, but, but listen, man, uh, you know, look, I, I, now you guys are connected, right? Martenzi, you've got this amazing platform. Man, I'm looking forward to seeing what you guys come up with now. Third and long and Martenzi Johnson, the undefeated man. Make it happen. Let's let's use our platforms collectively to keep this fight going. No, definitely. Definitely. I appreciate you all having me on. And Santonio, you know, thanks for, for joining us too. Absolutely, man. Thanks for covering the story. Uh, Dr. Z, we could do something for these young kids where – whether these young kids who are athletes that are living with this condition, um, we can go out and start covering their stories and seeing how these kids are living, seeing the things that we can give them, the right toolkit uh, to see them be more successful, you know, yep. in their journey. We should just start with AAU and HBCUs and and, and, and go from there, man. See, I mean, you got it. Yeah. Um, I've, I've spoken with uh, the Howard University president. Um, A sickle cell trait carrier. Yep. He's on board. 
uh, with supporting this. So we have a connection in the HBCU. Um, next, it is just getting all the medical examiners um, on board um, so that we could we can have this thing, you know, actually gain some traction and uh, and keep moving forward. My man. All right. With that, guys, we're going to close this episode of Cheat Codes. Thank you to Martenzi Johnson. Thank you to Santonio Holmes. Man, you guys are MVPs in my book, no matter what, Super Bowl or not. Sickle Cell MVPs, that's the only MVP that matters in my eyes. Thank you for being that. Peace.